Let us pray. May the words of my lips and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Friends, God says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name and that you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. In the passage from St. John's great dream, his revelation, we heard Jesus Christ of eternity begin a not-so-gentle rebuke to seven different churches. He takes them one by one and calls them out. This afternoon, we've heard the first two, Ephesus and Smyrna. To Ephesus, he says, you heard him. You are doing all the right things, and you have been patient and faithful, enduring hard times. But you have loved, lost the love you had at the first. For God, for each other, even for your enemies or for those who oppose you? I think what Jesus was talking about here we would call compassion fatigue, that creeping forgetful weariness that can harden our hearts when we are faced with demand after demand, crisis after crisis. Repent, turn again, and find your first love for God, for each other, for the world, for our enemies. It is a good word, and it's worthy of our hearing this afternoon. The problem is that keeping that first love is a tall order. It is hard to engage with the difficult things of life and not to give way to cynicism, not to withdraw through weariness. Jesus continued to the church at Ephesus, and I'm paraphrasing, your hate, well, you've managed to keep that very fresh indeed. I'll give you that. How much easier it is to be faithful in hatred than in love. Outrage gets many more hits in a social media strand than peacemaking does. And from folk on all different sides of any argument, viral, they call it, the way news of hatred multiplies, expands, finds new markets, and a ready audience, open ears. Friends, our attention is a commodity that is bought and sold only as long as we allow it to be so. Do not forget that. It's hard enough to keep our first love for humanity and for God, just taking the underground from St. Paul's Station to King's Cross, 
on any given weekday, hard enough to keep our first love of humanity and God in the crowds at Tate Modern on a Sunday afternoon or in any crowded London street. There are sometimes seemingly so few of us, so little to encourage the repentance that would call us back to the most basic compassion or call us to it in the first place. And yet, here we are. This is our project. So how are we to do it? Friends, listen to the words of Moses in Deuteronomy. It was not because you were more numerous or worthy than any other people that God set his heart on you, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors. We are not alone. God is with us in this struggle, encouraging and bearing with us. The thing is, this passage in Deuteronomy, which we have this afternoon, comes just after a bit that we do not usually read in church. A desperate passage where Moses instructs that same chosen people that they should utterly destroy their enemies, leave no remnant, and show no mercy. Surely, in our collective history, we have seen this scripture enacted, and we should be chastened by the memory. But perhaps it is because we are chastened by the memory of violent oppression which has been done to us or done in our name, that we can better hear the call to repent and rekindle our first love today. Perhaps that chastened memory is how we get ears to hear and to respond to the voice of the Lamb calling us back. This is the voice of Christ, the first and last, who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Repent and remember the love, because I have set my heart on you, and not just on you, but on all of you. I am minded of some very simple words said over and over again by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., martyr for the work of racial and economic justice these 50 years ago. He repeated these words in public for the last time 10 days before his assassination in April 1968, speaking to a conference of Jewish leaders. If we return hatred with hatred, we would end up creating many more social problems than we solve, and unborn generations would be the recipients of a long and desolate night of bitterness. I'm convinced that Dr. King was right. So today, remember your first hope 
and best hope for what might be possible among people living in this earth. Let your heart break over the gap between what you hope is possible and the news of the day. Fight compassion fatigue and fatigue of engaging with those who disagree with you, with everything in you. Endure faithfully. I'm convinced if we can, each of us, do that on a crowded underground train, and we can, then we can also do it in the corridors of power and in the back streets and sweatshops and bomb-broken cities. We can do better. We are already today doing better than that long and desolate night of bitterness of which Dr. King spoke. That is not our inheritance. It never was. It may be that tragedy gives birth to tragedy with much less effort than love or justice gives birth to love or justice. And yet, we are gathered today, despite the odds in this place. And God is just as committed to us now as God ever was. Yes, we are enduring just like the church Jesus spoke to at Ephesus in the Revelation, patiently or otherwise. But most of all, we have not and will not abandon the love we had at the first. Weariness will never be God's last word for us, not now, not ever. In the name of Christ, amen.